chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And I forgot to mention that next Sunday, then, uh, we will have an opportunity as a congregation to affirm uh, Casey. So there'll be a kind of a time in our service together uh, to, you'll have a, a ballot in your, in your bulletin that looks something like this, and we together will have a chance to do that. So be in prayer over uh, this next week and, and, uh, and pray for God's continued leadership in, uh, in this process. So we are talking about conflict. That's that is the, uh, the topic for the next couple of weeks. Last Sunday, we opened up this series called Pledge. And Pledge is based off of a, uh, a book by Mark Olsey. I, I, just out of curiosity, how many of you were able to hear Mark Olsey during the last service? Uh, we had kind of a forum. Okay, so a bunch of you were able to do that. Uh, Mark is a counselor from Wichita, and he's coming. Uh, he was here this Sunday at 945, and he's going to be here next Sunday at 945. So if you want to rearrange your schedule to be a part of that next Sunday at 945, like highly recommend it. Uh, pledge is just a tool for, for teaching us how to deal with conflict. And it's based off of the word pledge uh, to, to pause and to pray, to listen, to echo, to disarm, to give, and to engage and so what we talked about last week is, as it relates to conflict, like, we have not been handed good tools to know how to do it, to how, how to, like, uh, navigate tough conversations with people. And the tools that mostly we know how to do in conflict, uh, one is avoidance. We know how to avoid conflict and to call that peacemaking. I'm just, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to bottle it up, and I'm, I'm going to sort of hold it inside of me and hope it gets better. Uh, but what that typically leads to is the second tool we know how to do is explode. We bottle it up long enough that the top ends up blowing up, and uh, we make a mess, make a mess of the relationship. Um, And we also talked about how some uh, tend to explode more quickly than others because we have a short fuse. We're we're wired for just kind of high-intensity conversations and conflict. And then the third thing we, we know how to do that isn't a helpful tool is to talk about the conflict to other people who aren't directly involved. And that causes all kinds of pain and damage in families, in uh, workplaces, and in the church to, to spread the conflict around. So we open our toolbox, and that, that's what we know, but those aren't helpful. And so pledge, the hope is to, is to give us tools to say when conflict happens, and it will. It will in all areas of life, but especially here in the church, how do we deal with it? And so uh, we just want to talk about the, the P this morning, uh, to, to pause and to pray and to pivot. These are the, the, the sort of the three Ps. I'm guessing every one of us has moments that we wish we could rewind and redo. Like, if you ever have, like, you're in a conversation with somebody and they start to get intense. And you can feel it. Like, you can feel their intensity and it starts to ratchet up. And you respond or react to their intensity by matching it, by matching their intensity. You sort of go up with them. How many of you know Newton's third law of motion? Anybody, any students? Newton's third law, anybody want to shout it out? Go ahead, anybody? Yes, Ward, he was in second service, so, but good on you, Ward. Uh, he was, at least he was listening, right? For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So we know how that works in, like, you know, physics and stuff, but we also know how it works in conflict, right? For every action, there's just this equal and opposite reaction. Like, we, we respond in kind. Somebody says something we don't like, and so we say something they don't like. They send a kind of a mean-spirited text, and what do we do? 
We send a mean-spirited text back. And oftentimes, it's not just an equal and opposite reaction. It's a, it's a reaction that kind of ups the ante a little bit. That, that, that conflict isn't this flat line. It crescendos. It intensifies. And so, like, she says something to me that, that oh, it kind of, like, pushes my buttons. I was going to say, like, gets your goat, but I was like, maybe that's not. Nobody has goats anymore. Um, pushes, pushes your buttons. Sorry if you have goats. But normally, what happens is, like, they push, you know, she pushed my buttons, and so I know exactly which buttons to push, but I'm going to actually push an extra one and sort of get an extra dig in, and then it just continues to escalate. How many are we preaching yet? Like, right, you have these moments. And in that moment where you are, you're, you're getting more and more intense and you're matching the other person's intensity, all of a sudden words come out of your mouth, and as you hear these sound waves hit the little bones in your ears, and you hear your own voice, you think, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I, I wish I could just, like, you ever, like, wish you could stop time? My kids read these, like, sci-fi books where you can, like, stop time. And you, it was one of those moments where you just, like, stop time and just sort of gather the words back up before they hit the other person's ears and take them back and re-say it. Because you know those words are going to be hurtful. And they're going to do damage. And it's going to be really hard to repair it. I mean, we, we have those moments we wish we could just, whew, we wish we could rewind Get a redo because we reacted, and we reacted in ways that were not healthy. So this is what we want to avoid. This is what Jesus, Jesus wants to form us into people, into people who know how to live at peace in a reactionary world. Because we're geared for reaction individually, but we live in a culture that is so incredibly reactionary that that you know, somebody says something and they say it on social media and it doesn't just set off one reaction, it sets off this chain reaction that's like nuclear reaction. It's a bit like this, right? Here's a little video to kind of illustrate this. Um, so, there we go. So for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Somebody gets whoo, sprung, right? They say something. Here's that political post on social media, right? Boom! How many of you are like, I work at this place? I know exactly. This is, this is school. Um, where people are just, wow, they're just wired. They're just waiting, waiting to respond. And so what would it look like for the church? For people who say that Jesus is Lord, to be a different kind of person in an environment like that. That where everybody else, because here's the thing, there is nothing unique about responding the way everybody else is responding. There is nothing questionable. And, and Jesus is calling us to live questionable lives, right? So people look at our lives and they say, what's up with you? Like, why aren't you responding the way everybody else is? There's nothing unique about just that reactionary posture, but there is something really unique about a person who exists in a world like that and is a person of peace in a reactionary world. So here's what Jesus says. Uh, Jesus doesn't go by, uh, by Newton's third law. Jesus actually gives us a new law of, of, of conflict, and here's Jesus' law of conflict, Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So here, do, you, do you hear the difference between equal and opposite reaction and what Jesus is saying? 
Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is not equal and opposite reaction. But when somebody sort of acts against you, you they hate you, they're hating on you, right? What do you do? You, you find a way to do good. When, when somebody is cursing you, is like, you know, sort of slandering you and talking about you behind your back, they're cursing you, you find a way to bless them, to speak well of them. And when they're actually aggressing against you, they mistreat you, you pray for them. So here's how maybe we could sum up Jesus' law of conflict is this, for every unkind action, there is a wise, loving, and good counteraction. So for every unkind action done to us, there is not an equal and opposite reaction, but there is a wise, loving, and good counteraction. I mean, how amazing would this be if we could live this way? If we could learn to live this way in conflict, our families would be better, our, our workplaces, our schools, our church. And, and so, really believe that this is what Jesus is wanting to form us into. But how do we do this? How do we become less reactionary people um, in, in the middle of conflict? And so, this is, this is where this idea of a pause comes in. So, how do we define pause? What does it look like to pause in the middle of conflict? Uh, here's how we're defining it. To notice when you're getting triggered, right, the, the the mousetrap is set and it is ready to be sprung. You are getting triggered and take time to step away from the fray. Take a moment to step back, to say, you know what? I don't want to say something or to do something I'm going to regret. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to, I'm going to pause. I'm going to take a time out. Um, so here's a little bit. So I think for those of you who, who really love um, like physiology, like stuff that's happening in our bodies. You'll love this. Uh, for the rest of you, just, just catch that there's some like real um, crazy things that happen to our bodies in conflict. And if you understand it, you can help override it. So this is why we're talking about this. Um, in your body, like you have this, this whole system called your sympathetic nervous system. How many of you came to church thinking, I hope Eric talks about my sympathetic nervous system? No, you probably didn't. Um, but you have, you have this whole system that is so helpful when you are confronted with something that's threatening to you. You're on a hiking trail, and you come around a corner, and there is a grizzly bear staring you down. In that moment, you are very thankful for your sympathetic nervous system, because what happens in that moment is you are in full attention. All of your attention is focused on this threat to your life in front of you. And all of a sudden, things start to happen. Your heart rate starts to speed up. Your breathing starts to get shallower and to speed up. You, your, your palms start to get sweaty. Um, and, and you are prepared for, to fight for your life, to flee, or to freeze. Like, that's what our sympathetic nervous system does to us in conflict. And here's the thing. While that's really helpful when you're facing a bear and you need to fight for your life, it's not so helpful with your spouse. It's not so helpful with your coworker. But that's what happens, is, is you have these, these two little parts of your brain, right, just behind your eyes called your amygdala. Everybody say amygdala. Okay? And so what happens is these tiny, I mean, they're just, they're so tiny, like the size of a walnut. And they're, they're there. And when you get triggered... In a conflict, they start to release this, like, cocktail. Your system starts to release this cocktail of, like, intense uh, chemicals. Adrenaline, neoadrenaline, cortisol. It starts pumping through your body, and it just amps you up. So you'll notice in conflict, right, like, all this stuff is happening. Your heart rate starts to intensify. Your blood pressure goes up. And if you, if you would, like, stop and look at your hands, your hands are probably shaking at this point. 
And your voice, if you talk, your voice is a little quivery. This is being triggered, right? This is, this is what is happening in our bodies. Uh, this happens to me every time I see somebody cut across a parking lot and not use the lines, right? <laughs> Everybody has their triggers. I have this, I, we have a four-way stop that I come through almost every day on my way to work. And I, this is one of my triggers, that people don't know how to be at a four-way stop. Um, I don't know what your triggers are, but, you, but you, you see this in relationship. Now, what would happen? Here's the thing. When we're triggered, we can't think clearly. The part of your brain that is the logical part of your brain that's, that says, oh, let's make a wise choice here. That part of your brain is actually cut off in conflict. When all these chemicals are sort of coursing through your body, you can't think clearly. And so you can learn, though, to say, the path I'm headed down is a path to destruction. The pa- I, I recognize this in my body, and all of a sudden you pause, and you take a step back, and you say, what's going on? Oh, yeah, my hands are shaking. My heart is thumping. I'm really intense. I'm focused purely on this person who is a threat, and I feel like I need to defend myself. Okay, I don't want to react. We can learn to do this. This is what uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says. This is what a pause is. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 49 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So, we don't give the excuse, hey, it was the adrenaline talking. It was my amygdala. Likes to say crazy things. I don't have any control over it. It's just me. It's just my personality. People know, people know I have a short fuse, so just, you know, don't, don't tread on me. Um, Paul doesn't actually give us that excuse. He says, don't allow unwholesome words to come out of your mouth. It makes us responsible for the things that we say. And so to pause in a moment of conflict, to step away, and it might just look, a pause might just look like um, in, in a relationship, like you, maybe in, in your, your, your marriage or a relationship with a significant other, what's happening is you just tend to react. And so now you have this common language that when this starts to happen, somebody just calls a timeout, says, hey, let's pause. Let's take five minutes. Let's just step away. Let's let our bodies calm down, and let's come back to it when clear heads can prevail. You could do that. You can start changing your pattern today. Uh, but maybe you don't have the, uh, maybe you're getting reprimanded by a boss and you feel attacked by your superior in this place. And so uh, maybe it's just this internal, just, just, you distance yourself from the conversation, you recognize what's happening, you say, okay, God, help me be a person of peace here. Help me not react. Help me not say things I shouldn't say. Um, so to take a pause. How many, of, how many of our relationships would be better if we learned how to pause? I mean, do you have... Do you have people, as, as you look back over your life, you think, if we had done that, if we had known how to do that, that relationship might still be intact. Our relationship would be in a much better place if we just knew how to do that. But here's the dark side that's inside of me, is when I think of pausing in conflict, do you know immediately where my head goes? Strategic battle planning. Strategize. Build your defense. I'm going to come back from this five-minute pause, and I'm going to have my arguments, like, lined out and subpointed, and she's not going to know what hit her. She's not, she, of course she's going to throw the white flag and say, oh, Eric, yes, you win. Um, that's, what, that's what we think is strategic battle planning. Uh, but that's not the purpose of the pause. The purpose of the pause is to pray, is to say, okay, God, help me respond like Jesus. Wise, good, loving actions. 
So to, to pray, to ask God to give you perspective on this moment and to help you respond in a Jesus-like way, to pause and to pray, pause and to pray. Um, and in this moment of prayer, again, it might be five minutes, a five-minute break, and you just remind yourself that, you know what, I love this person. I, I don't want to be angry at this person. I don't want to say things I'm going to regret. And you pray. You say, God, help me see this person the way you see him. That's a simple prayer. Um, it might just be an internal change of heart that says, God, I'm angry right now. I, I'm triggered. They said this to me. They did this. And I'm angry. And God, I don't want to be angry. So would you take my anger from me so I don't, it doesn't control me? Because again, uh, God gives us responsibility to deal with our anger. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says this. I love this. Don't be quickly provoked in your spirit. So d- again, it's, 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 it's up to us whether we're going to choose to be provoked or not. Nobody can provoke you. We choose to be provoked. So he says, don't be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. I love that. Anger resides in the lap of fools. If, if we do things that are foolish in relationships, there's a pretty good chance anger is driving it. That doesn't mean every time you're angry, you're, we're, we're foolish, but it means every time we're foolish, there's probably anger at the center of it. And so as, as people of faith, we learn how to release our anger, not to pretend it isn't there, but to name it to say, God, I am angry right now. Please take my anger from me, to, to, to not let anger drive us. Um, Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So this prayer, this pause in prayer is to release anger. And then the final, uh, the final P is to pivot. To have a moment where we, where we pivot from seeing this person as our enemy to being reminded that, no, 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 this person is not my enemy. Uh, to, to allow God to help us Remember that this is not a person we are called to be fighting, but this is a person we're actually called to be fighting for. And this is actually a uniquely Christian perspective. Um, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about um, this, this, this battle. He uses this battle metaphor, and he says this, Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle, our battle, is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle, the struggle we are engaged in, is not against flesh and blood, but it's against these rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So this is a uniquely Christian perspective to say, if it has flesh and blood on it, it is not my enemy. She is not my enemy. He is not my enemy. He's not a person I am to be fighting, but is a person I'm actually to be fighting for. Because any one of us can actually get co-opted by these forces that sort of pull us into seeing each other as enemies. This is why Jesus looks at Peter, right? And, and I, I think we can learn so much from this. Like, Jesus looks at Peter, and Peter is like on task, and he says like, Jesus affirms him in one moment and says, Peter, yes, like the Spirit of God has revealed this truth to you. And in another moment, he says, uh, get behind me, Satan. There's this, Peter's not the enemy, but Peter has, has, like, is being sort of moved and motivated by these forces, And so for us in a moment to pause, to pray, to pivot, to say, you know what, this person is not my enemy. I don't want to lash out at them. I actually want to to respond to them in kind and loving ways. And sometimes kind and loving ways are to distance yourself. Like sometimes this person is so hurtful, is so toxic, you just, the best thing we can do is to just not engage. I mean, that's that's a reality um, where there's danger and harm being done. 
But for the most part, this pivot can just be as simple as changing the story you tell about that person. Um, so kids started school this last week, and uh, one of our daughters comes home, and I was, I was really proud of her. She, at, at our orientation, went in and chose her seat, and she chose to sit beside this girl that she was in class with last year who not many people wanted to be friends with. This girl was just kind of, kind of rough, kind of hard to get along with, and so my daughter um, chooses to, to sit beside her. I'm like, are you, are you sure you want to sit there? She's like, yeah, I don't know that anybody else is going to want to, so I'm going to do that. It's like, kids are awesome. <laughs> purely unbiased, a purely objective father, right, at this point. And so she does and comes home um, after the, I think it was the second day of school this last week. And How's it going? Well, like, yeah, this girl, she said something really mean to me. I just made this, like, really mean-spirited comment about her hair. And you could tell, like, those words are hurtful. Like, they're, they're painful when, when that happens. And inside of me as a parent, you know, what I want to do is I want to defend. Like, I want, this girl is the enemy. You tell the teacher to not, you know, move you across the class or whatever. And so we start to process this and, and just ask, so why in the world do you think she would say something like that to you? Like, what would, what would cause her to say something like that? And as, as she starts to talk, it's like, well, she doesn't really have any friends. Like, nobody really wants to be around her. And so, like, maybe she's just, she feels insecure because of who she is, and so she lashed out at me because I was close. It's like, yeah, maybe, that, maybe that's the case. And, and you just start to change the story you're telling about this person. This person, they don't care about anybody but themselves. They're, they're, they're so frustrating. They hate me. This person, they're just out to get me. And we just tell that story, and then that story just takes on a life of its own. But what would happen if we pivoted and said, you know what, there's probably another story. Um, one, one other quick one is um, Carmen and I, have, we've tried to do this over the years, and we had, a, we had a, this guy who came to our door, and he, he was really kind of rude. He was selling something out of, out of the back of a truck and really wanted us to buy it and wouldn't take no for an answer, and the kids had just been put down, so ringing the doorbell and wakes the kids up. So there's this moment of frustration. And, um, yeah, and just kind of, kind of blew up at Carmen. I wasn't home at the moment, just kind of blew up at her. And so I, I get home, and there's, he had gone by then, and there's just this, you know, this tension, right? And so we start to, like, process this and say, okay, here's the story we're telling about this guy. Is he's just a jerk who won't take no for an answer and whatever. And so that story is the story. We say, like, wait a second. He's, he's driving around Hutchinson. It's 8.30 at night, and he's trying to sell things out of the back of his truck. And he lives in Wichita. Like, why in the world would he be doing this? Do you think he's chosen to do this? Probably not. Like, he's probably just out hustling, like, just trying to feed his family. And, and, and here we are. It looks like we have our needs met. And, um, and he's probably frustrated with us. And we tell him no. And so there's this, this conflict that ensues. And we don't know what's true about this guy. We don't have any background. We don't have any story. And it doesn't matter that we don't. But just by pivoting and by learning to see this person in a different lens, by telling a different story about them, it moves us from anger to compassion. And that's what God wants for us, is to, to move those enemies in our life from enemies to people God loves and cares for, to move them from anger to compassion. So God, we ask that you would teach us how to do this, that we would be people who learn how to pause, how to not react, that we would be filled, God, so filled with your Holy Spirit that you would form us as people of peace, 
Jesus, that we would learn from you, God, how to respond in good, in wise, in loving ways. God, we pray for our marriages that are in conflict. God, we pray for patterns of conflict to be broken. Pray for for someone to have the courage to not react, to not respond. God, we pray for your healing and your grace to just flood marriages and families. God, we pray for our students as they move back into schools and are just stepping into reactionary worlds, God, where people hurt one another. God, help them be people of peace. God, in our neighborhoods and our workplaces, God, we, we trust that this is what you're doing in us and forming us into people of peace. Help us, God. We trust that you're with us. We trust that you'll lead us.